We are all on a journey. We build dreams and create expectations. When the road we're traveling isn't straight and smooth, we encounter unexpected detours. Road closure ahead. That delay us from moving forward. This is where dreams die and passions fade. Obstacle in road ahead. We can feel lost. Turn around when possible. But there's an alternate route. We can learn about navigating our expectations with a God who knows the way forward. Redirecting route. We are in the second week of our current series looking at expectations. Fall is a time for new beginning and fresh start, so it brings lots and lots of expectations. Expectations are high in the fall season. However, expectations are operating in every season of life. Last week, we launched this series. We shared four key truths about expectations that are absolutely vital for us to grasp for our mental health and well-being. If we fail to grasp these truths, then our expectations can actually work against us, even harm us and hurt us. Truth number one, we said last week, expectations are multifaceted. You have expectations for every area of your life, so do I. Every day, all day long, we operate under expectations. Simple expectations that are simply a part of our everyday life, like, I expect you to return my greeting when I say hello. Other expectations are practical necessities. I expect you to stop when there's a stop sign at an intersection. Still others, however, can be held in the heart and matter a great deal to us. They're really important. I expect people I love to love me in return. Expectations are multifaceted. Second, expectations are a lens through which we evaluate our life. When your job is meeting or exceeding your expectations, you feel good about your job. You love your job. When a family member does what you want them to do, you feel better about that person. You feel closer to them. On the other hand, when you have expectations for someone or something and they're not meeting those expectations, then you do not feel good about that relationship, that employee, that experience, or that event. It can leave you feeling annoyed and even angry. Expectations are a lens. Then we said expectations are a two-way street. While you have expectations for me, guess what? I have expectations for you too. Expectations are placed upon us all the time, at work, at school, in our family, in our community, among our friends and neighbors. And just as we evaluate others by how they're living up to the expectations we've formed for them, they're doing exactly the same thing for us. It's a two-way street. And finally, we said we're responsible for managing our expectations. Managing expectations means, first of all, and above all, actually knowing what expectations we have and hold. This might come as a surprise, but all of us have unarticulated expectations 
that sometimes we don't even think about until, that is, they go unmet. And then we think about them a lot. Knowing and naming the expectations you're actually holding on to is critical to managing expectations, but also critical you've got to confirm that they're realistic. Which leads us to this week's million-dollar question. How? How do we know the difference between realistic and unrealistic expectations? Because let's face it, more than any other culture in any other time in history, we are swimming in a sea of unrealistic expectations. Technology is one key reason for sure. Living in an age of incredible speed and often instant gratification, the internet provides access to the world at our fingertips on our phone, all of which can easily fuel unrealistic expectation. Advertising and marketing are another key reason. Beautiful, happy, often young, successful people set unrealistic expectations for what we should look like, for how we should be acting, for what we should be wearing. Clothes and cars and shoes and just all the stuff out there that can set unrealistic expectations, not only for what we should have and buy, but even for who we should be and how we should feel. We're lured into false comparisons, and time and again, we fail in those comparisons. And then there's social media. Think about it. Social media adds to all of this in a powerful way. On social media, people post their very best version of themselves and their kids and their dogs and their activities, and you're left to compare it all to your worst version of yourself that you're more than painfully aware of. Their great adventures to your boring, monotonous, tedious life. Their amazing kids and their amazing achievements at their amazing schools and your struggling kids struggling. You already know all this. So what comes next isn't exactly a newsflash, but more like a reminder. A reminder that you and I probably need from time to time, and it's this. Many of your expectations, mine too, are unrealistic. You're busy comparing yourself and your family to a world that's not real. Unrealistic expectations distort our perspectives so that we miss out on the good things God is already giving us. Unrealistic expectations feed our jealousy and, and greed. They fuel frustration. They breed discontent. And as others have noted, unrealistic expectations can become premeditated resentments. And if you're anything like my pal Tom, who maximizes unrealistic expectations and then minimizes real results. <laughs> You've chosen a very difficult path for yourself because you can never win. You set yourself up to fail every single time. So, how? How do we come to set realistic expectations? Well, there are two filters that you can reliably use to set your expectations for someone or something. And just a heads up that all of this information is incredibly obvious. I know it. 
but sometimes the obvious needs to be stated. And besides, I've learned that I'm really good at stating the obvious, so here goes. The first filter. Realistic expectations are based in reality. Terrible into today's gospel reading can easily strike us as strange. It might seem almost as if Jesus is holding up as an example a dishonest, albeit resourceful, employee. Of course, he's not approving of his dishonesty. He's commending the guy's shrewd adaptability to act effectively and efficiently to achieve his purposes. But if you think about that story, the dishonest story is also undertaking an exercise in managing expectations. He's establishing realistic expectations based on the actual facts of the situation he finds himself in. And as the gospel reading continues, Jesus pins down this teaching with entirely practical advice on this very point. In fact, it might just be the best advice ever when it comes to realistic expectations. Jesus says the person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. When setting expectations about the future, about a person's future behavior, the best predictor is their past behavior. If a person can be trusted in small matters, then it's reasonable for us to form the very real expectation that he or she will be trustworthy in greater ones. If, on the other hand, someone has shown themselves to be dishonest or simply unreliable, it would be advisable not to trust them moving forward. Past behavior and experience lets us know what we can realistically expect from people, from companies, from organizations. Does that mean that people can't grow? Does that mean that organizations and businesses can't improve? No, of course not. However, if nothing changes, then nothing changes. If there hasn't been any change in the person, the organization, the culture, then there is no reason to raise expectations that their future behavior will be different. If your spouse is always late, then you should expect your spouse to always be late, unless you're going to take time management class together. If your child struggles in school, there should be no expectation of higher grades, unless you hire a, t a tutor. If you've got an employee who's simply not providing what you want and need in their performance, that's not going to change. No matter how much you bang your head against the wall and nag and complain, it's not going to change unless and until something else does. But if you're unhappy with a relationship or a problem employee or a service provider or the general state of some situation, it doesn't mean you just have to psych it, psych it up and accept the situation indefinitely if you consider a second factor. A realistic expectation is agreed upon. Often we set up unrealistic expectations because we assume other people know what we want or what is expected of them. When we assume we believe something to be true without any proof that it is true, we treat a possibility 
as a certainty. And in the process, we can create a great deal of turmoil and resentment in our relationships at work, at school, at home. The sooner we set clear, shared expectations and avoid assumptions, the more successful we'll be. Agreed upon expectations, of course, mean communicating with one another. Sometimes we think we've communicated our expectations to others, but really have not. Think about someone you're struggling with right now, today, this morning. Have you really communicated what you expect from them? Could they articulate what you want from them? Even taking time to communicate can be difficult. We don't want to do it. We'd rather people just know what we want, right? As if they could read our mind. I remember a parishioner complaining about her husband who had disappointed her for their anniversary. He bought her some flowers, but the flowers didn't exactly cut it. She'd been expecting a gift, an evening together, a candlelight dinner with wine. And I asked her if they had discussed their plans for the anniversary, and she admitted they had not. But then she added, we shouldn't have to discuss it. He should have known. Okay. Well, I'm no marriage expert, but good luck with next year's anniversary. <laughs> but hey, who am I to talk? I've made this mistake over and over again myself, especially when it comes to employees here at church. We had a music director a while back who was a brilliant musician, but somewhat problematic, somewhat challenging leading me to form a number of expectations for him that were entirely realistic, easily achievable, and completely reasonable, but expectations that remain uncommunicated to him, and inevitably expectations that went unmet. And then, when that happened, every single time that happened, then, then I would communicate my expectations in a most unhelpful, untimely manner that left me angry and him frustrated. It did nothing to advance our goals and it was deeply unfair to the guy. We resist communicating our expectations sometimes because it takes thinking through what we really want. And sometimes our expectations are cloudy. And if they're cloudy to us, they're a deep, dense fog to everybody else. We can also resist communicating our expectations because it makes us vulnerable. Once we communicate, we've revealed our heart, and that means we can get hurt. So here's the process we're talking about in a nutshell. It's about clarifying your expectations for yourself, first of all, as clearly as possible. As we suggested last week, if it's helpful, write them down. Clarify your expectations and then communicate your expectations by verbalizing them to others in a timely fashion, in a respectful way, free from anger or any kind of emotion. Clarify, communicate, and then confirm your expectations. 
after sharing your expectations, establish that the other person has actually heard you and understands what you mean and agrees. And to help you out, we have another tool we're offering this week. We'll let you know about it after communion. It was the famous Irish playwright, George Bernard Shaw, who famously said, the greatest difficulty in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. Communicating our expectations, it's really about accepting people for who they are instead of who we want them to be. Accepting them for where they're at instead of where we want them to be. And that means in the end, it's about loving people. It's about loving them as Christ loves us. He loves us for who we are and where we're at right now. But he loves us too much to just leave us there because he has the very highest expectations for us. He expects us to become like him. Thanks for watching. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful that you're part of this community.